and welcome back to the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Funston, joined as always by our go-to guy, Eric Wong. Uh, this is our first podcast post-All-Star break. Uh, great All-Star break it was, and we'll be talking about that in just a moment, but if you'd like to get a hold of us on Twitter, send us your questions, comments. Uh, you can send them to me, at Brandon Funston. You can send them to Eric, at RotoEvil. And if you want to uh, see the latest that Eric has going on uh, at The Athletic, you can check out The Athletic Twitter handle, at The Athletic FS. Uh, and if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic and you want to read Eric's columns and a whole lot more, uh, make sure you go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. That'll get you 40% off a subscription. They'll get you access to all of Eric's stuff. It'll also get you uh, access to all of our great NBA podcasts, including No Dunks, back-to-back hoops adjacent with david aldridge and the daily ding and we have several great team specific nba podcasts as well uh all right without further ado eric uh we are back like i mentioned after the all-star break i wanted to quickly before we dive into a bunch of the news that's going on and get ourselves kind of squared away for the second half of the season wanted to get your thoughts on the nba all-star game what was uh what were some of your takeaways from it yeah, hey Brandon. Um, the All-Star game itself I thought was fantastic. The changes that they made were great. Um, made the game much more competitive, especially in that fourth quarter. It was pretty cool seeing uh, all the kids there that uh, the charities that they were playing for and they were getting all into it and the players were uh, taking it really seriously. Uh, the only thing I would question there is uh, the coaching decisions, because it seemed like every player that started, that ended the game, started the fourth quarter and played the entire fourth quarter. And now we're seeing some of the ramifications to that with Kemba Walker, um, I guess, coming back from the All-Star break with the sore knee. And he just had his left knee drained and received an injection in his knee and missed yesterday's game. And that sounds like it's going to be a something Boston's going to have to manage the rest of the way. And so did he play too many minutes in that game? Because uh, normally a uh, All-Star game, they manage the minutes a little bit better than they did uh, in this one. But otherwise, it was a really fun All-Star game. And uh, All-Star weekend overall, the dunk contest was great, um, except for Aaron Gordon getting robbed again. But uh, <laughs> that's another story. What about what about Pat uh, Connaughton getting robbed. I thought, you know, he got kind of his first dunk, the, the white man can't jump dunk was awesome. And I think he got kind of robbed on that a little bit as well. But, uh, you know, I'm with you, man. I mean, it's a catch 22 in terms of the all-star game because that, what do they call it? The Elam ending, the, you know, the first team to 157. That clearly, I mean, that was like an NBA playoff game, like a, you know, almost like a game seven. Those guys were going at it. You know, Kyle Lowry drawing a charge and, um, you know, guys just playing like, like they really, really, really wanted to win. And it's funny, the first three quarters, you know, hardly any fouls called. And then you get down to that fourth quarter, there's like a, you know, way more fouls called. And, and, you know, so it, from a fan perspective, way better. Uh, from an NBA team perspective, when you got Kemba Walker dealing with that, you know, you got Kawhi Leonard who doesn't play back to backs and he's out there getting 30 points and winning, you know, winning the MVP. I'm sure if you're a Clippers fan or a Celtics fan, you're like, dude, you know, this is a break. You need it. Conserve yourself. And, and here they are playing like this, you know, has huge meaning. So, um, 
I don't know though. I think I think if we're both being honest, we want to you know we want this to continue. I think I think I like the new format. I haven't heard anybody who hasn't. Uh, how do you feel? Oh about yeah, that? no, I especially uh, love the sight of Giannis taking it to the hole against Kawhi, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Just being able to see something like that is pretty amazing. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, uh, anything else you want to say about the All Star Game before we jump into the news here? Nope. Let's uh, let's move on. I mentioned. Uh, the Campbell Walker thing, and then ben, ben Simmons also missed yesterday's game. So that's pretty interesting and kind of weird to see guys who played in the All-Star game missing the first game after the break. It sounds like uh, a more serious issue for Kemba, though. Uh, hopefully Simmons will play in the next game. Yeah, we'll have the TBD on, on Walker. Uh, Boston certainly will need him. Um, well, one guy that's not going to be coming back anytime soon is Kyrie Irving. We would, you know, we basically talk about him, you know, every, at least every other podcast, if not most weeks. He's been, you know, he's been dealing with injuries all season long and now they're just basically, he's going to get season ending shoulder surgery. We alluded to this last week. You talked about some of the guys, uh, you know, that'll be, you know, getting more playing time or getting more usage while he's out. Why don't we just go ahead and go over this Nets roster one more time now that Kyrie Irving is out for the season? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a huge boost to Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. I mean, Dinwiddie has been reliable regardless whether he's starting or coming off the bench, but his numbers are a little bit better when he's starting. Uh, over 22 points, right around four rebounds, over seven assists per game as a starter. But LeVert is a guy who has clearly been much better uh, when he's in the starting lineup, when the ball's in his hands, and that happens much more frequently when Kyrie's not playing. And uh, definitely came out and had a, a big game yesterday, played team high 39 minutes um, in uh, overtime loss to the 76ers, shot just 9 for 29 from the field. But the fact that he's putting up that many shots is a great sign for him. And the Philly defense is a very strong defense, scored 25 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 trays. And uh, over his last 10 games, averaging over 17 points, 4 assists, one and a half steals. And I think he's going to have a great finish to the season. He's been pretty inconsistent and struggled with injuries this season and last season. But uh, I've always believed in Levert. He's very talented, can create his own shot whenever he wants. And uh, without Kyrie, I think he's a must-own player. And then what about some of the uh, some of the other guys, maybe some of the lesser, uh, you know, I mean, guys that, that might also, other than those two, that might also get a, a little bit of a benefit here. Yeah, definitely some extra more consistent minutes and more shot attempts for Joe Harris, Torian Prince, Garrett Temple. Probably like them in that order. Prince uh, is ask yeah, you. Prince is capable of some some good games, but not quite as consistent or efficient as Joe Harris. And Garrett Temple had a nice run earlier in the season, and he did have a team-high plus-minus in yesterday's game. So he's a guy that's still capable, especially when his threes are falling, but not as good as the other guys. But I'd say all those are worth looking at if they're free agents in your league. All right, so like in a 12-team league, um, Dinwiddie and Levert, I, you know, I checked out their percentages. They're basically 75%-plus-owned. Uh, Harris and Prince uh, – you know, they're down lower in Temple. Are are all these guys guys that should be on rosters in 12-team leagues? Yeah, I think Harris and Prince have, have shown enough and get that uh, boost without Kyrie being there. Temple is a guy that you would only want to be looking at in leagues that are deeper as far as the roster uh how many how many roster guys your your league goes or if there are more teams than 12. Okay. 
Uh, all right, let's jump to Atlanta, which is not not really news so much as it is noteworthy. Trey Young coming off a 50-point night. It's a career high uh, on Thursday. And uh, just want to get your thoughts on Trey Young. He gets the, you know, he gets the Steph Curry comparison so much in it. And this is a guy that I think not everybody was in on when he came out of uh, Oklahoma. If he would, you know, his game would be able to truly transition. But it's certainly looking like, uh, you know, he it's looking like he's doing just fine. Oh yeah, huge game yesterday. Uh, made eight threes, eight for fifteen from behind the arc. He's now averaging over thirty points, over nine assists, three and a half threes per game. And people are definitely going to focus on those stats. But I think. Um, you know, a huge part of his improvement this year has been him getting to the free throw line more frequently. He was 18 for 19 on free throws yesterday. And uh, he's almost doubled his uh, free throw attempts from last year. As a rookie, he attempted uh, 5.1 free throws per game on under 83% from the line. And now he's at 9.4 attempts per game on over 85%. So that's, that's huge for his fantasy value because... Uh, you would expect that free throw percentage to start climbing up into the high 80s, maybe 88% next year. And if he's going to be attempting over 10 free throws per game, that shows uh, how unstoppable he's going to be with that deep range on his shot, of course, and ability to be a playmaker. And as, as for the Steph Curry comparisons, it's very interesting because Curry has never attempted more than six free throws per game. And that's probably uh, you know one aspect that people would love to see him improve for. The, his fantasy value, he hasn't really needed any extra help because he's so dominant in everything else. But that shows you how much potential Trey Young has and how valuable he is already. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I like your thought about, you know, uh, Young's free throw percentage just continue to go up. He's such a great shooter and, you know, you get more reps and it just becomes, you know, easier to kind of get on a roll that way. I think the, the big thing will be if, you know, he's kind of slight coming into the league like like Curry was it'll be about whether he can stay healthy so that uh you know we'll see how that works out for him but uh staying there actually is some news in Atlanta uh staying here and, and has to do with health and that's Clint Capella the guy they the big man they traded for at the deadline uh, their coach Lloyd Pierce came out and said he's weeks away from playing so uh what does that mean for the rest of this Hawks roster right definitely concerning for Capella owners uh Word that they might shut him down. Hopefully that's uh, not the case, but we'll see what happens with Capella. Dwayne Dedman has been starting at center for them. He's had some nice games, some big block games, but got completely dominated yesterday by Bam Adebayo. Went scoreless in 20 minutes. And uh, the guy who uh, stepped up was Cam Reddish off the bench, tying his season high with 37 minutes played despite coming off the bench. Uh, scored 16 points, four rebounds, two steals, two blocks. Nice to see him with those uh, big defensive numbers there. And he's, I'd say, worth adding in deeper leagues if uh, you're looking for some wing help. And uh, that also gives a boost to John Collins, of course, should continue to put up some big stats. And DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter as well get a boost with more minutes and just uh, consistent opportunities there. Yeah, you know, I was I was looking at your Cam Reddish, uh, you know, the comment on on Reddish, and you know, thirty seven minutes, and it's sixteen points, four rebounds. I'm like, ah, you know, for thirty seven minutes for a guy that can score like Reddish, that's that's kind of disappointing numbers. And so I just went through, I did a little deep dive. Uh, nine games Reddish has played thirty uh, or more minutes. 
He's averaged only 14 points and five rebounds and just 1.9 assists. But I thought it was interesting. 1.8 steals and 1.2 blocks. So, um, you know, maybe the big three numbers, the points, rebounds, and assists, not super flashy, but the defensive numbers, I wouldn't have really thought that about Reddish coming into his rookie season that, you know, if he gets some minutes, he's going to be put up some nice defensive numbers there. Yeah, I think that's why he's been getting playing time is he is a consistent defender and versatile defender for them, and they want to speed up his development process. So if he's playing that many minutes, definitely worth a look. Yeah, I mean, the the 35% shooting, not good. Uh, you would expect over time that he's going to be somebody shooting over 40% and scoring a lot more, you know, in 30-plus minutes than 14 points a game, wouldn't you? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, guys – should definitely improve their field goal percentage as they get more experience. So that should level out eventually. All right. Uh, let's talk Jay Crowder, the guy that's not beloved by a lot of NBA players around the league, but uh, I think his Miami teammates are liking him. He's another guy that, that, that changed teams, um, and he's been playing well in Miami. He's still available in over 50% of Yahoo leagues. Why don't you state the case for why Jay Crowder should maybe be someone that could be rostered in your fantasy league? Yeah, definitely added Crowder in uh, several leagues, and I'm surprised he's still readily available in some leagues. Uh, yesterday had a solid game, only scored 14 points, four rebounds, but two blocks, two threes, six for six from the free throw line. Only played 23 minutes, but that's because he fouled out. Otherwise, I think he's going to be playing in the high 20s most games. He's scored... Um, since joining Miami, he scored 18, 21, 15, 14 points, um, getting lots of wide-open threes, knocking them down, and uh, grabbing steals like he's always done throughout his career. And uh, I think the, the playing time is going to be there. Miami's really happy to have him as an option to play at the four as an undersized four-man as opposed to uh, Kelly or Olenek or Myers Leonard, who I believe is hurt right now anyway, so... Definitely should continue to see solid minutes in Miami and playing really well there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, another guy's playing really well is Miles Bridges. Uh, he was the MVP of the Rising Stars game. You had kind of talked about RJ Barrett last week and, uh, you thought, you know, if he had a really big game, uh, that could propel him in the second half. You've seen that happen from this Rising Stars game before. Uh, but the guy who had the biggest game was Miles Bridges. And so are you feeling the same way uh, about Bridges that you felt about R.J. Barrett, that this could be a, a springboard to better things in the second half? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Bridges has been one of this season's biggest disappointments, kind of uh, had high expectations for him coming into the year, and he's barely improved on last year's numbers. But I think he's finally starting to turn it around. Something seems to have clicked. Uh, in the month of February, he's now averaging uh, over 20 points, 7 rebounds, 2.3 trays per game. Grabbed a couple of steals yesterday, and I think his confidence is high now, and he should finish the season strongly. Yeah. Um, what about – what's your thoughts on Barrett now, just circling back on uh, – I'm just looking. What did he do? He had 27 points, so he had a good game. 27 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists um, You know, for the, the world team that – that lost by 20, I guess, you know, um, I guess if the world team had done a little better, he might've actually won the, uh, won the MVP. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely, you know, a solid performance for Barrett didn't make uh, as many flashy plays as Bridges, but that's not necessarily his game. 
And uh, I think tonight we'll we'll see a big uh, a big test for Barrett because I saw that Alfred Payton is not playing tonight, and so that's uh, Barrett's chance to be primary playmaker and put up a big game. And we'll see if he delivers. Uh, if so, I I do like him at least playing better than he has up to this point. But that's still uh, he still leaves a lot to be desired as tar- as far as efficiency and uh, overall production. Uh, let's talk about a, uh, another rookie. P.J. Washington, uh, he's maybe going in the opposite direction of the guys we just talked about. Uh, he's slumped heading into the break. He's now owned in under 40% of Yahoo leagues. Is this a guy that we should still care about, or is he someone that we're going to have to, you know, maybe in shallower leagues we're, we're looking to cut bait on? I think he's a guy that in, in competitive leagues should still be owned. Uh, came out with a, a solid game yesterday, 17 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. Hopefully the break gave him some extra rest. He was one of the guys that was playing big minutes right from the get-go for a rookie. Maybe not, not used to that. Uh, so maybe he kind of hit the rookie wall. So the all-star break maybe gave him a little bit of extra rest and, uh, still vital, vital piece to Charlotte's future. And I think he'll, He'll play a little bit better and should still be owned in at least the uh, more competitive leagues. Yeah, well, his teammate Malik Monk uh, going the other direction as well. He's doing. He's you know, he's been hot uh, coming off a twenty-five point game on Thursday. Is this him kind of coming into his own? Or is this something we can expect to last, or is he going to be a guy that's going to you know he's been inconsistent in his in his young career so far? Uh, do you see him kind of leveling out and being a, a steady contributor on the fantasy? Uh, on the fantasy hoops court. Yeah, I really like what he did yesterday, chipping in with uh, six rebounds, three assists, getting to the free throw line nine times, making all nine of his attempts. And uh, I read a good article on Monk, uh, realizing that he n- needed to mature and uh, wasn't quite there last year, uh, didn't always listen to what people were telling him, and has been kind of complacent in in the past of just jacking up outside shots, and now he's being more aggressive, taking it to the rim, as you can see by the nine free throw attempts. And he's definitely red hot right now, and I think he's one of the strongest ads if he's still a free agent. He's only 32% owned in Yahoo, so I think he that should definitely be over 50% right now, the way he's playing. His uh, shooting efficiency might come down a little bit, because he's uh, shooting the ball so well. But otherwise, Charlotte's definitely going to give him a lot of minutes the rest of the way to see what they have, to see if he's a, a part of their future. So I definitely like uh, Monk a lot right now. Yeah, speaking of uh, strong ads, uh, Wendell Carter, Otto Porter. Um, they've been guys that have been injured for the Chicago Bulls. Um, sounds like they're practicing now, getting close to returning. I was just looking at their Yahoo ownership. Wendell Carter is available in almost 40% of Yahoo leagues. Otto Porter is at, I believe, almost 25% of Yahoo leagues. So obviously I'm, I'm guessing you're a strong advocate for picking these guys up if they happen to get cut loose. Uh, what do you, what are you seeing from these two down the stretch here? Yeah, I, I like uh, Carter more, uh, especially with Markinen out. Uh, Carter's a very capable big man and more valuable from the center position than Otto Porter at forward. Especially, I, I'm still not convinced on Porter just because of how poorly he was playing early in the season. <laughs> Would like to see him uh, come in and have some big games before really recommending him. But he's at least uh, worth looking at, especially with... Uh, 
since he's returning before Lowry Markkinen and now that Chris Dunn is going to be sidelined for an extended absence as well, those guys should be able to come in and get solid minutes right away. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the remaining NBA schedule in terms of how it would impact fantasy in, in weekly head-to-head leagues. Um, but uh, that's that's your latest column on The Athletic, and I just you know mention it now because I know Chicago, kind of in the near term, has some really nice uh, scheduling uh coming up for them in terms of games played so if these guys can get back soon they might be able to take advantage of that so if you are lucky enough to pick these guys up in your your fantasy league you might be able to get uh some immediately you know some nice payoff from those two so let's move to houston and talk about some guys taller than six foot six i mean houston's gone with the gone with the small ball lineup but uh we should check in on some of the new rockets that are uh you know quote unquote they're big guys Maybe not traditional big guys, but they are in the Houston world. That's Jeff Green, uh, Damari Carroll, and, and Bruno Caboclo. Uh, what are you seeing from these guys? Yeah, all three guys made their debut for the Rockets yesterday against the Warriors. Uh, Green had a very nice game, 17 points, uh, four rebounds in 24 minutes off the bench, four for five on threes. And he's a guy that... Uh, I think has been a little underappreciated throughout his career, bounced around from team to team, but uh, is very capable of getting hot from outside, plays pretty good defense, and uh, can can play uh, both small forward, power forward, and I guess at center for the Rockets now. And uh, I'm not sure if, if these guys are going to be reliable from a fantasy aspect, but definitely uh, gives the Rockets some much-needed front court depth Going into the playoffs, got a couple of veterans, some versatile forwards who can shoot the ball. So it's more of an interesting thing to watch for if you're a Rockets fan because they're going to need those guys in the playoffs. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna mention that it seems like these guys may be guys that after the regular season will come into play a little bit more. It's Jeff Green, man, I just looked at his, just looked at his, uh, you know, his age. He's 33, which might seem old, but I, I feel like he's 39. I feel like he's been around the league forever. Um, I've always liked him. Um, so when you look back, he's gonna, it's gonna be a nice looking NBA career when it's all said and done for him. Uh, alright, let's go to Detroit. This is something, some news here that was sort of rumored that could happen before the NBA trade line. That was, uh, Reggie Jackson as a potential contract buyout by the Pistons. Uh, it happened. Jackson was bought out by the Pistons and he moves on to the Clippers. So, uh, let's talk both sides here. What does this mean for the Clippers? What does this mean for the Pistons? Right. For the Clippers, I, I think it's twofold of why they went after Jackson. One, Patrick Beverly has kind of battled some injury issues, uh, aggravated his groin recently and missed some games. And I think they saw the need to add another guard in the backcourt uh so went after reggie jackson and i think part of the reason they went after him too is because the lakers wanted him and if you could steal him away from the lakers that's a, another bonus for them but as far as his value i think i only like him if uh one of their guards either beverly landry shamit or lou williams is injured otherwise his minutes are definitely going to be going down and he won't be as reliable for Detroit, you got Derrick Rose back in the starting lineup, but uh, scored just 12 points, 4 assists yesterday. It did come against a very tough 
Milwaukee Bucks defense, so those numbers should get better. And Bruce Brown had a really strong game off the bench. 16 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists in 32 minutes. The scoring is always up and down for him, but he's proven to be a very big-time rebounder for a guard and capable of getting some assists, and both those guys should continue to have minor value because Luke Kennard is still not ready to return. Uh, he's still a few weeks away. But uh, you need to keep in mind that Detroit has a very weak schedule the rest of the way, the fewest number of games left to play out of all of the teams, and they don't have a four-game week until week 23 starting on march 23rd so you know it's a, a three-game week from bruce brown i would still rather have a, a guy putting up lesser stats who's playing four games yeah you talk about that schedule um so i have i have Derek rose like i feel like with jackson out of there you, you mentioned things should, should get better for for rose he had 12 points four assists like how better do you think? Like, I think he's averaging 18 for the year. You think he's going to be back to kind of like that number, 18 and maybe six assists per night? Does that sound about right in that neighborhood? He can definitely do that, but it, I would be concerned that he may still not be playing 30 minutes a game because of his health issues in the past. It seems like they've been kind of limiting his minutes all season long to keep him fresh, and he is kind of more efficient in shorter bursts. And so uh, he was someone I would consider replacing just because of the, the schedule. Okay. Speaking of the schedule, uh, again, just to remind everyone, Eric's got a nice breakdown of basically the final six weeks of the NBA regular season, uh, kind of a team-by-team -team look at which teams have schedule advantage and disadvantage. And I play in a in a head-to-head -head league. I'm a co-owner with Michael Beller, also of The Athletic. Uh, a star on these podcasts across the across the company. So we have a steals problem in a head-to-head -head, uh, week weekly lineup league, and we're like 500 or better in every other category. We're two games out of the the final playoff spot, and I'm just wondering, uh, given the need for steals, um, we got we got guys like if I just throw out a few names, maybe you can tell me who you would maybe target for for cutting loose so we just we just lost Kyrie Irving luckily we have Joe Harris and Torian Prince guys that should get a bump with him gone uh, but they're two of our lower owned guys we have Lou Williams Jay Crowder uh, Derek Rose is another one OG Ananobi uh, is another one so those are kind of like our lowest owned guys if we're out there hunting for steals is there one of those guys maybe that you would target for cutting loose yeah, I'd say OG Ananobi should be your first cut. Looking ahead to the next three weeks, the Raptors go 3-3-2 for games played, so you're probably not going to be starting Ananobi for these next three weeks, and if you have to secure a playoff spot, you need to replace him with someone that you're actually going to play in these next few weeks so you can get some wins. And, uh, that yeah, there should definitely be better options than a so, low... Let me throw out a few of those options. Uh, P.J. Tucker, who I, I noticed is starting... To, he had a little slide since the, the trade deadline, but it looks like he might be starting to climb out of his slide there. Jabari Parker, DeLon Wright, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Josh Akogi, Troy Brown, Kent Bazemore. Somebody there jump out as maybe having a, a schedule advantage down the stretch that can get me some steals. Well, for the next two weeks... Uh, lots of teams play four games, and so that applies to 
Okogi, DiVincenzo, and those Kings, Bazemore and Jabari Parker, they both, all three of those teams play four and four the next two weeks. And so I would say for those next two weeks, uh, I like, uh, Josh Okogi first probably, and I do like DiVincenzo just because Milwaukee's been so dominant. They have that top seed pretty much wrapped up already. And so it wouldn't be surprising to see their stars start resting more frequently down the stretch. And DiVincenzo has shown that he can grab a lot of steals and put up some big games. So I'd say those two guys are the the top two ads there. And then I would recommend trying to attack week 21 where the average number of games played is only uh, three games per team because six teams play only twice and six teams play four games. So if you can grab some guys who play four games there and start several of those guys for that week to help you clinch that playoff spot, I highly recommend that. I want to talk about a Kogi just in the context of Carl Anthony Towns, who has that left wrist injury. I I, ha- I was having coffee this morning with a, a guy from Minnesota, a big T-Wolves fan. He's worried that I don't know if he's worried. He's kind of almost encouraging the T-Wolves to shut Towns down for the rest of the year. Um, but let's say that did happen. Like if they just decide, you know what, we're not going to play Towns or we're not going to, you know, maybe we're just going to give him a super extended break here. Uh, is Akogi a guy that would, would get an, an increased bump with him being out or does it, is he, is that not really affect his world uh, in terms of fantasy value? Oh yeah, it definitely gets a bump. Uh, played 30 minutes the the last game before the break. Definitely a very inconsistent score. Not not in there for his offense, but he's such a good defender and still very young. Uh, I believe he's 21 years old still and a big part of Minnesota's future. So he definitely gets a bump okay. with with Towns out. All right, he might be the one to. Go after first and foremost. Town's definitely going to be out for at least, uh, sounds like at least a couple weeks. So, uh, we'll see how that one plays out, but I like that, uh, suggestion there. Uh, all right. Again, if you, uh, if you want to check out all of the schedule breakdown that Eric did for, uh, the rest of the NBA regular season, I encourage you to go to the fantasy basketball page on the athletic. Um, good stuff there and you can see how your players, uh, and their teams, what kind of number of games they have left to play. And that's, uh, super important in head to head weekly league. So that's going to kind of wrap it up on the news that we went through. We always kind of go down and, and ask, uh, Eric what he's planning to watch this weekend. The NBA games have just resumed, uh, Thursday night. So here we are on a Friday. Take us into the weekend with what you're uh, looking forward to here on the NBA. Yeah, a couple of interesting matchups tonight. You had Denver at OKC, which could potentially be a first-round matchup. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about the Thunder a lot this season, kind of people counting them out. And I think uh, teams are going to be scared to face the face them in the first round. Uh, so that should be an interesting game. And then a couple of uh, bottom dwellers in the East, Cleveland at Washington, which is only worth watching because the Cavs just fired uh, John Beeline. <laughs> that was a very rocky <laughs> tenure that he had there and uh, J.B. Bickerstaff taking over. So it'll be interesting to see if the team looks any different now, uh, if they play around with different rotations, if they can start scoring some more points. And, uh, yeah, another 
another college coach who made the jump and struggled in the NBA. It's pretty uh, interesting how very few college coaches have been successful. The only one of late that I can think of is Brad Stevens. Do you have any thoughts on why college coaches struggle so much when they make that jump? Well, I saw this note, and I looked it up. In the last 25 years, there's two two guys that have jumped, and there's been, I, I would guess, I would say there's probably been at least 10 uh, that have jumped from the college ranks to the NBA in the last 25 years. Only two of them have had winning records, and Stevens is one of them. Do you want to guess who the other one is? Oh, uh, no one's coming to mind right now. Billy Donovan. Oh, so, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, you know, in his you know, quote unquote success could be argued. Uh, you know, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people think that, you know, those OKC teams, uh, sort of could have, you know, could be called underachieving. But, uh, yeah, but the interesting thing is I don't, you know, Stevens and, and Donovan, younger guys, uh, not from true blue blooded, uh, college programs. And maybe there's something to that. Maybe, you know, being younger you and identify with the players a little bit better. You know, you talk about, the Patinos and the Caliparis and the PJ Carlissimos and the John Beeline. These are older guys that seem like maybe they are probably a lot more set in their ways. Maybe can't relate to the, you know, the modern NBA player as well. And I think maybe the thread there is that Billy Donovan and Brad Stevens are, are guys that, that can. Uh, what do you think about that? Oh yeah, that's a great point. Definitely being able to relate to your players is a huge thing. And, uh, the younger guys are, are able to do that better. And, uh, yeah, I'm not a, uh, Billy Donovan believer still. I remember he used to routinely bench, uh, Durant and Westbrook at the same time. And I was like, why do you not stagger their minutes more? But, um, yeah. no doubt, no doubt. Oh, they could have been super supersonic. Could have had a nice run. Um, all right. What about Saturday? Yeah, a couple of good games on Saturday for sure. Dallas at Atlanta, another Luka versus Trey Young show. It was pretty cool to see them in the All-Star game this year, only in their second NBA seasons, and they're in the All-Star game. And you can tell that they have a good time playing against each other, super competitive, and it's it's good to see. You know, they got traded for each other. Uh, as you said, people, not everyone was a believer in Trey Young after he got off to a, a slow start his rookie season, but both of these guys have shown that they're already superstars and they're going to have really long careers, and I think it's going to be awesome competition to watch them go against each other every time they play. And then Austin, also Houston at Utah, they recently played, and uh, right now they're the number four and number five seeds in the West, so if the season ended today, they would play each other and whoever wins on Saturday is going to own the tiebreaker for home court advantage if they do end up with the same record. And it's really hard to imagine that one of these teams could potentially get knocked out in the first round because Utah is a very scary team to face. And, of course, the Rockets, everyone has higher expectations from them this season. So that will be a great matchup to watch. Yeah, no doubt. And we're in the second half and, you know, and all these games have so much more meaning. This is a great time for the NBA and, you know, and, and guys that, you know, might have in the first half played a little bit less, took things a little bit easier. Now when you're, when you're fighting for playoff spots, you start to see things, the, you know, everything get ramped up a bit. So be a fun ride in the second half. Uh, that's it for us, Eric. Appreciate it. I look forward uh, to talking second half basketball with you the rest of the way. Um, but uh, if you want to join us for that, uh, 
make sure you do every Friday. It's the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops podcast. Again, you can follow me at Brandon Funston on Twitter. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil. Uh, get all of his stuff at The Athletic. If you're looking for a subscription to The Athletic, be sure to go to theathletic.com backslash Dunks and Dimes. That gets you 40% off. Get you access to all the great NBA podcasts. Uh, they're available on iTunes and Spotify. And if you enjoy these shows on those platforms, please be sure to leave us a quick rating and review. We always appreciate that. We always appreciate you listening. Uh, be sure to check back in next Friday. Until then, everyone have a great week. See you soon. Thank you.